You're listening to the Black Hole Cafe, a podcast where we spend about 42 minutes discussing a topic that has grabbed our attention and just won't let go. I'm Richard Wingfield. And I'm Taylor Wingfield. Welcome to the Black Hole Cafe. Hey, Taylor, welcome to the Black Hole Cafe. How are you doing today? I am good. Very good. I just got um, my big uh, grocery delivery for the week. So that has all been sanitized and put away. And um, that's really the the big news for today is that I got groceries delivered. <laughs> well, uh, not to be a spoiler for the topic, but uh, how we how we get food into the house is uh, kind of a related topic to, to go get. So um, I, fun fact, have not set foot in a grocery store since March, basically. Oh, man. Well, if we don't have any other follow-up, let's move on to your topic for today. What's on the event horizon for today's show? Uh, so today's topic is baking. Um, like I said, my life recently has really just revolved so much around food and coffee and uh, as I said in our cooking episode, um, in my household, uh, Pedro is definitely the head chef or the, the pretty much the head chef of our household. But um, in that metaphor, I am definitely our pastry chef. Uh, so that's kind of like how we've divided and conquered the, the kitchen duties. Um, and I will say again, I'm going to give our general disclaimer that I'm actually, I am very much a relatively new baker, so I'm not an expert, um, but I actually have made my own pastry at this point um, twice. So I feel like that puts me really in the baker's club at this point. So I'm not an expert, but I am far along in my baking journey. <laughs> well, and, and, um, even more uh, kudos to you for being able to do that, coming from a, a family who did not pass on any <laughs> cooking, baking skills of any substance to you. You know, I can think about my grandparents being the, the bakers, but I didn't get, you know, much from my family and uh, you got almost nothing from yours, I think. So, Yay, quarantine, I guess, for forcing everyone to learn to cook <laughs> this year in 2020. Certainly. Well, with with that in mind, um, I, I may have given away the answer to this, but, you know, what was the event horizon? When did this start for you? Was yeah, it just I, pandemic or <laughs> did you have some interest in it before that? <laughs> so I mean, no, that's the, that's the thing that, like, you really hit on is that, you know, before, before quarantine, I really only ever baked at holidays. And really at that point, it was like, we bought some Pillsbury sugar cookie dough and we sliced it up and we put it on a sheet and put it in the oven. Like it was never really made anything from scratch. Maybe, maybe cookies like once in a blue moon and banana bread if we had overripe bananas. But like that was the only things that we ever made or that I ever made growing up, not from a box. Like everything right. was from a box. The yeah. cakes were from a box. The cookies were from Pillsbury Slice and Bake. Like 
Yep, pour it Everything. in, mix it up, pour it into the muffin tin, and that's yeah, your baking. Brownies, yeah, brownies, blueberry yeah. muffins, no matter what, it was always from a box, um, which is not bad. Like I still, my favorite cake or brownies probably still come from a box, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it wasn't really like something that I did or really even, I feel like I said this in the cooking episode too, that I've sort of always been the sous chef in the household. I'm like, someone else needs to take the lead and I will do what you tell me, but like, tell me what to cut and slice and I will do it, but I'm not, I'm not the lead here. Um, And so really like the event horizon for, for me and for us in the house was, I can't remember when it was, was early on in quarantine. And I had made like banana bread in quarantine because everyone was making banana bread in quarantine. (laughs) So I was like, all right, that is something I know how to do. I will do it. Um, And I had maybe made some like blueberry muffins or no, not even then. Um, Yeah. So I had really, I think just only made like banana bread. And then uh, Pedro got us we didn't, I can't remember when it was, but it was early on in quarantine. He bought us from a bakery in Austin because we'd been seeing a bunch of people do this, um, which was make their own sourdough. Right. I was going to say, it's got to be the sourdough. uh Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he bought it for us, like thinking like, oh, this will be really fun. It's like a little thing we can do together. So he bought us like the, the easy tiger is the bakery in Austin and they sell their own sourdough starter and they sell like a really easy, intro to sourdough like basically if you get the starter they give you like this intro to sourdough recipe um and we did not everyone it's just like instagram versus reality right like we had seen so many people do it and we're like this seems like really fun and then we looked at the recipe and like the first thing we did was like scratch out that because on the recipe it says level of difficulty easy and the first thing we did after reading the recipe was scratch that out and write hard because (laughs) i mean it was like there's so much even in an easy sourdough recipe there's so much terminology we had no idea of the journey that we were going to be embarking on. There is so much timing involved. The recipe in particular takes over 24 hours because you have to let the dough proof overnight or for like, you have to let the starter proof for like eight hours. And then you have to let the the dough do the same thing. So it takes like a ridiculous amount of time. You have to plan like two to three days ahead for when you want to eat your sourdough because it is such a journey. Yeah, that's a little different than the box. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, and it was so much more involved than we thought. And then the other thing is like sourdough, if, if you've never made it before, or don't really know anything about it, it's not a one and done thing. You don't just like get the starter and make the sourdough and then it's done. You, sourdough is as a living, like the sourdough starter is a living thing because it's wild yeast. And so it's basically fermented water and flour and it turns into wild yeast and that's what makes sourdough rise and gives it a sort of tangy flavor. Um, but you have to keep your sourdough starter alive and you have to feed it at least once a week when it's in, if it's in the fridge, if it's on the counter, you feed it like every day. Um, and in, at that point in time, and even now, like it was flour and and sort of even yeast, right? Into yeast, but sourdough doesn't use yeast but but flour and those types of things were such a scarce commodity it wasn't like I was like I can't throw this out like I I can't just like be done with it and so 
we have just kept the starter alive and have made sourdough since then. And so from that point on, it was sort of like, well, I'm in it now because I have this thing that I have to feed every week and pay attention to and make sure it doesn't die. So I'm not wasting flour, but you also have to, you have like a a certain amount that you discard every time you feed your starter. And so you end up with this sort of like fermented flour and water mixture that you can use in other baking projects. And so I was like, well, I don't want to waste this. So now I got to figure out what to do with this thing. And so it was just sort of like this whole, whole big thing that I like really started on this journey of, okay, I'm, I am now learning how to be a baker and I'm making bread and like doing all of these things. So long-winded. Well, you've, you've just talked me completely out of ever wanting to do my own sourdough. I'm having these thoughts of, you got to feed it. You have to take it for walks. What else do you have to do? Literally gonna... <laughs> anyone, anyone who asked me about it at work, I'm like, it's the pet you never wanted. Like it is, <laughs> I did not think it was going to be such an involved thing. And it just like, I can't, my, my mental capacity for waste at this point is so low. My tolerance for it is so <laughs> low that I just, I can't give, I can't, um, can't bring myself to throw it away or let it die. So I now am a sourdough baker. (laughs) (laughs) And how did the first one go? Really well. Oh, good. Actually, it went really, really well. And we had seen so many um, like failures of, of people trying to make sourdough for the first time. And the thing with this, with this particular recipe, it's like, it's a no need recipe. So it means you don't have to do the technique that you see a lot of bakers do, which is this like lift and fold technique that you have to do every couple of hours and super, super involved. So this one doesn't use that. It uses like a very um, sort of like do it once and then you you just give it a long time to let that gluten develop instead of really hands-on. But the only reason that I even realized that this was an easy version of sourdough is because I did a massive amount of research <laughs> on what other the other ways to do sourdough right. are. So I understood how to make sourdough. And then I was like, ah, oh, this is easy. But before that, I was right. <laughs> looking at the recipe. I was like, this is not easy. We had literal timetables, like timelines of when we needed to do things to make sure that we weren't going to be baking at like 1.30 in the morning. Well, that was my other question. Like... <laughs> my next question was, how was making sourdough with two A-type personalities? <laughs> like... Pedro less so than I am, but okay. like, yeah, I mean, it really if was. If you're making spreadsheet times tables, then y'all are both pretty. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we focused. How would we say that? Focused, compulsive. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it was. Yeah, the first w- the first journey into sourdough was so stressful. It was <laughs> like Pedro was so funny because he was like. I got this as a fun project for us. And then he read the (laughs) recipe and was like, here you go, you lead this. And I was like, okay. So it ended up being much more involved than we thought. And um, now I've made sourdough quite a bit since then. And it is much, much easier now. And we've even played with the recipe and it's like less of a stressful process. Um, But that first time was like, you can't, I don't think you can make sourdough and then not sort of become a baker because of just the amount of involvement 
and like learning that you have to do in order to make sourdough. It's not the bread you should start with. Let me put it that way. (laughs) Right, right. Not your first, it shouldn't be your first baking project. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what about you? I mean, we talked about the fact that we as a family like sort of didn't really do a lot of baking or involved baking or baking from scratch uh, as when I was growing up. And people are, I think, are often really nervous about baking because it is more of a, a science than like just cooking, right? Like there's a lot to do with baking where you just like put something in the oven and cross your fingers, you know? There's not a lot of foolproof baking. Um, so what, how, do, how do you feel about baking? Are you a fan I know probably haven't done it a whole lot. No, yeah, exactly. We, we talked about it in the cooking episode and I was thinking, okay, and I think about my baking experience. The first one we talked about in the cooking episode, working with my sister's Easy Bake Oven when we were all like eight mm-hmm. years old or whatever it was. Uh, and then when you were talking about um, box or whatever, it's like, Oh yeah, man, we baked a bunch in college. It's called slice and bake. Just if you needed something sweet, you just slice them up, throw it on the thing, put it in, put it in the oven. Uh, and and I, I'm about to give a reference here and we'll see who knows what these are and remember remembers. But I think I've probably done more baking for shrinky dinks than I have for actually baking anything you could eat. Right. That is true. So, I forgot <laughs> that you used an oven for shrinky dinks. I totally <laughs> forgot right. about so, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do I put on a tray and put in the oven? A little piece of plastic that shrink down and, you know, so, yeah. um, and, and, you know, we've got our disclaimer about expertise, but I learned all the way back to the easy bake oven days that when the way I like to cook is a recipe is just a general guideline. Right. You're just, you that gives little me of, so much anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> little of this, little of that. So, and that works for most of the stuff. I don't think that works for anything in baking. So when you're like, Hey, we're finally, we're, we're starting to adjust your sourdough recipe as like, okay, you know, when you have enough confidence to adjust things on a baking recipe, you've been, you, you know, you've, you've made it to the next level, whatever that level is may not yeah. be the expert level, but um, yeah, I, I tend to think recipes are guidelines, but, uh, maybe that's why I shy away from baking so much is because you have to be pretty spot on with what yeah, you're doing there. I, so I think like the thing with baking is you really have to like make it and then you like, because baking relies so much on understanding what something should look like or what the ratios, like in order to play with a, with a recipe, you have to understand what the ratios and what the batter or dough is supposed to look like. So if you've never made it before, you have no idea if you're doing it right or wrong, because so many of the recipes that you read, even online are like, make the dough, make, like mix these all together to form a soft, smooth dough. It right. should be sticky, but not too sticky. And you're like, well, what the hell does yeah. that mean? Yeah. I don't know. Like, how am I supposed to figure this out? Um, and so I definitely think like baking is so much, it feels very much like a science because it feels so much like trial and yeah. error of like, do it cross your fingers, see what worked and see what didn't. And even when we were playing with the sourdough recipe, it was like, you change 
one variable at a time, not multiple because yeah. other, and also this is just, again, my type A personality. Yeah. I'm like really get very um, emotional about my baking. <laughs> and so if something doesn't, it's not, well, one, two, like I don't want to waste, right? So if something doesn't turn out quite right, I also don't want it to go to waste. So I don't really want to, I don't feel comfortable or like, I feel really sad when something fails super hard because it means you're throwing out ingredients that, you know, like. I, I, I to me that I, I had a realization while you were talking. And when you said about the fail is part of it, I am um, maybe stereotypical male in this sense, but I tend to not like doing things I'm not good at, right? Whether that's sports or dancing or, you know, whatever it is, you know, pick something, right? I can do the dad robot dance, great. But um, I think that's part of baking is when it fails, it's a big fail, right? You, you usually in other types of cooking, you can often save it, right? Well, mm -hmm. this is a little overdone or I did this a little wrong. I'm going to add a little more something here or there and I'll fix it, right? Or it'd be good enough. My experience with baking is if you fail, it's a it's a hundred percent fail. Usually, it's horrible, right? It's not just that it doesn't look pretty; it is it is it is a massive fail. So I think that your point about not wanting to fail is yeah. It's it, usually when you fail in baking, I think it's pretty hard fail. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to it's hard to recover from a failure in baking, especially because like so much of baking is do something put it in the oven for X amount of time and hope that it turns out the way that it is supposed to turn out. Right. right? Because like often, unless you're the, we can, we can actually talk about this now because the, the biggest fails that I have had are, and I talked about this in our last episode are things like caramel, which are basically like browning, like browning butter or cooking sugar down to a specific point where basically you have about 30 seconds, but like from perfect to inedible. In, there <laughs> right. is like, there's no in between. <laughs> to inedible it, <laughs> and buy a new pot or pan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when you burn it, it's like, you got to let that pan soak for mm, two hours to make sure that <laughs> some of that molten sugar has dissolved. And so those things are, you can't come back from that. Like when you, when you burn butter or like let something go too far that way, like there's not really any coming back from that. Um, so those are like hard fails. Right. And then, and then there's like sort of when you're baking, your batter often tastes different than your final product or your dough tastes different than your final product as well. So like you can't do the thing that you do in cooking where you taste your food and you're like, mm, needs more salt. Let me add more salt. It's like, let's, we don't know, right? You're putting it in the oven. And then when you, when it comes out, you taste it and you're like, ah, oh, probably could have used more salt, but you don't really know that until you've actually made it. Right. Um, right. So that's, that's definitely like, a, well, and I think you also have, um, the other fails, like things, it's it, it, it is supposed to rise or it's supposed to have a certain texture or whatever to it, right? It's not just mm -hmm. the taste, right? It's it's supposed to, um, you know, I, I was thinking about when you were talking earlier about how to read the recipe brought to mind the, the good old days uh, when my 
grandmother was still alive and my cousin Vicky was trying to get recipes from her and a lot of it was well a little of this and a pinch of that and well how do you know well it's when it looks right or feels right and you can't get couldn't get the definition no you just know well that's the problem you've been doing this for 40 years we're trying to figure out how we just know that it yeah. feels right that that dough feels right or whatever it is so Pedro and I just made um last night actually and this morning tapioca which is um basically a, a brazilian tapioca crepe um, i love tapioca uh, these are amazing so we will have to make them for you sometime okay. but but we we looked at these recipes and his mom makes them all the time when we are when we're at their house i mean you'll come down for breakfast and there will just be a stack of tapioca crepes and they're like super delicious and his mom just flies through them and like <laughs> makes them look super easy and so we were like you know what let's try it like we watched we watched a video online we've seen his mom do it you know and he's he's grown up eating them we're like oh, it doesn't look that bad there's only three ingredients it's tapioca flour water and salt and that's it it is one of the most finicky things I have ever made in my entire life. I mean, it is like that. It's like, we, and we, we ask, we always ask Pedro's mom, we're like, oh, can you send us this recipe for this? Like, and she's, I don't know. I just make it. And we're like, well, that doesn't help us at all. And then when we were making the tapioca crepes, she was like, well, it should be crumbly, but not like too crumbly. And... <laughs> You know, it it, should, it needs to be wet, but not too dry. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't, I don't know what this means. So we had a lot of fails trying to like, baking is really finicky. And sometimes there's room for error. And then you do one thing like slightly off and there is no room for error, right? Like right. there are certain things in baking that, that are fine to play with. And there are certain things that are absolutely not fine to play with. But if you don't do a lot of research, you have no idea what those things are. It's right. like one thing could be really forgiving and another is just like, nope, you've ruined your entire bake, whatever it is. Um, my recollection, so I was not there when Vicky, my cousin, was <laughs> trying to get the, my grandmother would make homemade chicken and dumplings and it was phenomenal. And she would do it in this massive pressure cooker and we, Vicki could never get the recipe. All the kids loved it. And so my recollection is she said, okay, I'm going to come over and I'm going to walk around with a notepad and I'm just going to make notes and we'll, I'll make the recipe. You just make it and I'll ask you questions. And I don't know that she ever got it because she'd be throwing flour or doing whatever and Vicki'd be like, wait a minute, I got to measure how much that was <laughs> or figure, no, I'm going to throw another handful here or there or whatever. So yeah, getting the getting the recipes from the longtime cooks and chefs. No, just do it. You should you just go do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that is true. Like there is so much sourdough is like that. So many breads are like that. When especially with like like we make tortillas, homemade tortillas all the time now. And getting the ratio of flour to water right so you know exactly what the dough is supposed to feel like when you're making a, a like a um a tortilla you don't there's you, you just have to do it and you have to understand you have to do it multiple times so that you are familiar with how that dough is supposed to feel to make a good tortilla 
And if you've never done it before, you're going to fail a couple of times and then, you know, like you'll get it or whatever. And it'll, you can, you can kind of experiment, not experiment, but you can kind of like trial and error of, oh, that one was too wet. It stuck to the the press or whatever. But it really is. It's so much of like, well, I don't know. I didn't quite measure, but I'm just trying to make sure that this dough works and feels (laughs) right. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of that. And you know what um, just popped into my head too? It's sorry to keep interrupting. No, no. Just, so being the son of a general contractor and growing up working construction. Um, so this is for uh, my father, <laughs> list, or, you know, my father, your grandfather listening in heaven to the podcast. Um, the, it's, it's exactly like just getting a feel for the mix of sand, aggregate, and cement to make a good concrete. It's either going to be too runny or it's too dry, and you just keep put a little more water in and put a little more cement in the mix. <laughs> and so, and maybe that's part of the problem, as most of my baking turns out like a little cement concrete thing. So <laughs> maybe yeah, that's using that as a yeah. reference is probably not <laughs> not the best thing for your baking. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. But, but I was going to say, I think like the other part of that is, is a lot of people don't like baking because they feel like baking is all sweets, you know, mm-hmm. um, people sort of shy away from it and are like, Oh, I'm not a baker cause I don't like cake. And I feel like I have made, I have made a couple cakes in quarantine, but like not, not what you think of as like cake cake with like icing and like birthday cake, right? These sort of like big grand cakes. Cause I'm not really a sweets person either. And so I haven't, you know, I haven't made like cupcakes or brownies. I've made a few loaf cakes like banana bread or I made like an Earl Grey like tea loaf basically where they're just sort of sweeter, they're cakes. I'm not gonna lie and say they're breads, they're still cakes. <laughs> But they're not what you would consider of like, I'm going to have this like chocolate and cream cheese, big frosting cake. Like I made a carrot cake, which is a lot more savory and more of a spice cake. You know, I've made, like I said, I made uh, sourdough, which is bread. I've I made quite a bit of bread and biscuits and pizza dough and tortillas. And so it's really been sort of, it's not like, that's the thing is like, I don't, I am not a huge sweets person. I certainly have made things that are a little bit sweeter. Like some of the things are definitely desserts, but they're not like what what I would consider like these over the top or overly sweet things um, that I feel like so many people, so often people associate with with baking, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of leads into... Um my prep work for the the podcast this week is like, okay, well, um, I don't have any shrinky dinks, so maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll try something. So I asked you for a recipe and Giovanna and I did some uh, baking this week and I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically some savory biscuits. Mm-hmm. Sour um, cream and onion yeah. uh, biscuits. And, and we had fun, uh, going through the process and working on it together. And uh, again, I tell the story about uh, me like, yeah, it's close enough, but we were, uh, Giovanna was putting in some of the ingredients and we're trying to be exact about it. 
and she has the measuring spoon over the bowl that we're putting stuff in and was pouring into that, kind of overfill the measuring spoon and spill in. She's like, oh man, that's way too much, but that's good, right? And I'm like, nope, we're gonna dump all that out. <laughs> make Taylor crazy with waste, but it's like, no, it's not even gonna come close because we have no idea if we just doubled the amount of flour or baking powder or whatever it was. So we just dumped it and started over with however many teaspoons and tablespoons of yeah. uh, what we were going to do. And I told you too, the we're reading and it's like, okay, well, who was the recipe from? So it's from Basically, which is um, part of uh, Bon Appetit's. Bon Appetit. Um, it was yeah, really well done because they had videos with each section. Yeah, and so, so that's why it was one yeah. of the ones that I sent to you as yeah. I was like, these Because they're are like, great. here, do this and fold it. And like, what are they? Oh, that's what they want us to do. And I think that was one of our things. We, we folded the dough through exactly three times. We thought like they said, but when it came out, in, the biscuits are supposed to be the kind of layered flaky biscuits, you know, where they would come apart and they tasted fine. But again, this is back to my... Now this wasn't a hard fail, but it wasn't what it what it was supposed to be. They looked okay, which that's the other part with baking is it, it, it you really want it to look good, you know. And sometimes it looks horrible, it still tastes okay, but it looked right, but it was more crumbly than flaky. So we, you know, you couldn't do what they showed in the recipe. The biscuit didn't quite like separate in half, put something yeah. in it, you know, it kind of, so it tasted fine, but it, you know, we did something wrong. And I don't know if we had something off in one of the ingredients or if we just didn't, from what I read, we probably didn't either fold it enough or fold it properly to get the, the flaky layers. I so, would say your, your butter is, was probably too warm like your butter probably melted a little too much um while you were working with the dough okay. um or you 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 didn't quite fold it enough to get those laminations or you folded it too many times who who really knows <laughs> i mean that's the thing with baking is like the, probably the the thing that will inhibit that sort of flakiness the most is not quite having the butter either cold enough or sort of in the right form because I think in that recipe you sort of have to like press with your fingers yeah you kind of um, it, it you slice up the butter and then you kind of knead it all into the thing and if if it getting too warm was part of it before it goes into the oven that could be because we're going really slowly trying yes. to yeah oh let's read that again exactly whatever, right? so yeah, that's right. certainly that's probably what it was um because a lot of those things that like biscuits in particular um in pastry as well like rely on your butter staying pretty cold so the more you handle it your hands are warm the more that butter melts right which is one of the reasons that i have really enjoyed doing things like biscuits or pastry because you can make them make the dough the night before put them in the freezer and the the dough actually does really well baking directly from frozen because the butter needs to be cold so when you bake directly from frozen that butter is already cold and hasn't quite like you know melted because like i 
I also like run hot. My hands are very warm. I basically like <laughs> so much of when I make pastry, I keep the butter in the fridge for like until exactly the moment when I have to touch it. And if I find my hands getting too warm, I like stick the thing in the the fridge because I'm, I'm like nervous <laughs> about it. Um, and so, so yeah, it definitely is like finicky, you know, yeah, yeah. and it, like the things, there are things that like, when you read a recipe, you don't know that, right? Like you don't know that butter getting too warm or taking your time reading through a recipe means like it might not turn out exactly how it goes. You know, there are so many right, little, right. I think, details in baking that require so much learning and knowledge and research ahead of time of like, well, can I do it this way? This says use a food processor, but food processor, but can I use a stand mixer? Like, is that going to change anything? Right. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's certainly uh, a, 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 a finicky hobby. And as someone who's sort of, like I said, type A, I've had multiple sort of like stress moments where I'm like, this isn't turning out exactly how it's supposed to. I can't do it or whatever. And so it's like, sometimes it's therapeutic. And then sometimes it is like definitely a source of stress well, for me. I don't know how people did this before the internet because, and, and I know we're jumping all over from our outline, but they, with, without the internet to go, oh, we don't have that thing in the pantry. What's a substitute for this? And to be able to just look that up, like I, you know, that's part of well, Giovanna's and, favorite thing when we're doing stuff together, whatever kind of cooking. I was like, hey, Giovanna, look up what we can substitute for this thing that we don't have. And and that's the thing is like with baking, often the answer is just no, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there are certain things like, uh, like. Well, I saw in your outline yogurt and sour cream. Yeah. So right. Greek yeah. yogurt yeah. and sour cream, like tend to have similar fat. Like the thing is, it's not just about similar tastes. It's about protein content, fat content, because especially with dairy, like substituting milk for cream, they might have similar flavors, but their fat content is completely uh. different. So that makes the ratio in your dough or whatever you're making so much different than what an original recipe outlines. Right, so those right. are the things that you sort of have to learn about to think, okay, what is an appropriate substitute and here? The because 42 different kinds of butter, like the one that you gave us was specifically an unsalted butter because you're putting salt, salt in. separate in the, in the recipe for the biscuit. So. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, uh, definitely a, like a, a learning process, yeah, I guess yeah, is like, yeah. you know, and then, and that's the thing is like, um, and there are so many different types of, like if a recipe calls for bread flour versus pastry flour or cake flour or whole wheat flour or all-purpose unbleached white flour, all-purpose yeah. like bleached flour, like there's so many well, when different Well, we, we talked about this and I was and like, hey, when I was at the grocery store, I got some flour and you're like, okay, well, you got to send me a picture so I know what kind of flour you got so I can tell you what you can try to bake. Right? Yeah. And, that. And yeah. That's the thing is like baking is all about ratios. And so when you're subbing things for other things, it's really like 
about knowing why you're putting an ingredient in something because if you're using bread flour it needs the flour tends to need something that it or the the recipe tends to need something that is higher in protein content than if you were using just regular all-purpose flour so it's it's definitely like well it's it's way more chemistry than yeah, it's about other how the type. ingredients yeah, yeah, react yeah, to each yeah. other. And there's like a lot when you're baking with yeast like and salt. So salt inhibits yeast. So when you're doing something in a mixing bowl, you always want to put, if you're putting everything in at once, you want to put your yeast on one side of the bowl and your salt on the other. So they don't interact until you are putting out until you've mixed everything together because salt inhibits yeast. There are lots of things that inhibit rise. And so it really is like this, you know, like whole big process of, of understanding why <laughs> something works and why something is in a recipe versus just like, ah, following a recipe and I'm going to like do this. Um, and, you know, even with pastry, like there's so many different types of pastry. I've made two different types, one, which is just sort of like a rough puff, like pie dough, which is much more flaky and doesn't quite have all of those layers. And then I've also made like a puff pastry, which is supposed to puff up and have sort of that like rise versus, right. you know, just sort of a flat pastry. Anyway, it is, it is a so many rabbit holes. Like I, I don't know how people are true pastry chefs because like oh, Pedro and yeah. I have this joke where it's like, if you are a pastry chef, you are probably an incredible chef anyway, because there's so much knowledge that has <laughs> to go into being a pastry chef and being so exact that like being an actual chef is probably pretty easy for those people because they've had to learn all these like wild minute details about uh, like baking in particular. Um, but it, I have found it to be like specifically like sourdough. I have found that part and that experimentation of figuring out what I can do with my sort of sourdough discard really fun um because that that really feels like the place where i can experiment because since sourdough is literally like sourdough starter is literally just flour and water you can pretty much put it in any recipe and just reduce the amount of flour and water you're using so i've made sourdough banana pancakes i've made (laughs) sourdough blueberry muffins i my favorite thing to do with it is make um sourdough crackers so that's become like the the favorite in our household is basically for me to just like make this specific um, cracker dough and then make crackers for a week or two weeks and just use using the leftover like sourdough discard. And that's one of the easiest things to do is to just like make crackers with it. So that's been, that's been really fun um, to kind of learn and riff on that versus like always having to follow a recipe exactly. Right, right. <laughs> I certainly don't go into the kitchen ever to bake without either my phone or like notes about yep. what I'm doing. Yep. Well, and to tie this back to our iPad episode, there are a lot of people that talk about in the nerd tech world podcast that I listen to about 
the iPad in the kitchen and recipes. And we certainly had the iPad out and managed to have it on the counter and not have it completely covered in flour. But having the bigger screen there on that recipe use in us to see the videos of what we're supposed to be doing. And so the, the iPad in the kitchen for, oh, yes. for recipes is really handy. And they now make all kinds of like under counter swinging arm mounts where people can mount the thing uh, <laughs> under the counter. So it's floating above the counter and you can have your recipes. So, yeah, I mean, we, li- we have a, a stand in the kitchen for our kitchen iPad. I mean, straight <laughs> right. up. Yeah. Um, absolutely. An iPad in the kitchen is like a, a must. Um, so apart from the, the iPad in the kitchen, one of my other favorites, or really, I think this is probably like, we, you know, we normally always do our one recommendation for, like, what's the one thing if someone wants to get started in this that they need to have? Because um, there are a couple of gadgets and things. Like, I think if you're really going to get into baking, you probably want a Dutch oven. Um, it's like one of the best all-around cooking tools you can really have. Um, so I'd say, like, you should invest in a Dutch oven because it's like the best thing for bread making. And then also different types of flours and finding yeast and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but really my, like, Number one recommendation for baking is um, a scale. You have to have a scale uh-huh. because actually measuring flour in one third a cup or that type of thing where you're scooping flour out of or anything, right? Like sugar, flour, whatever, um, into scooping it out of a bag and putting it into a bowl is one of the most in uh, imprecise ways to measure because you are inadvertently packing flour in there. Mm. So you actually don't know whether that's really a third of a cup or not, because your yours could be a lot more packed or if you don't level it off right, or if you've really put it in there. So you actually might be getting more flour or less flour than you really are supposed to for a recipe. So having a scale and actually using like grams for what you're baking is like the most important thing I think that you can you can invest in as a baker because it like really keeps things accurate. So when you're um, measuring flour to water or whatever ingredient, you just put that bowl on top of the scale and you pour it in or measure it out. And then you know exactly how much you need and you just take some off the top if you've put too much in there. And um, so it's like the the most important thing that you like have to have for baking, I think, is, is a scale. And, and you don't even like the one that I have is like $10. They're not expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back to science and chemistry now for yeah. baking, right? So, yeah, yeah. You need the most accurate tool. Yeah, that's right. Down um, to the micron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for me, that's really been like, I have like the th- one of the things that I bookmark on my phone is basically a conversion table of a bunch of different baking ingredients that I use from King Arthur flour, where it'll tell you all purpose flour. This is how much it weighs in grams. So if a recipe calls for a third of a cup, it's like they give you a, oh, gotcha. a weight um, to, to cup measurement so that you, you can convert your recipes into weights um, because it's just like also so much of baking depends on like, oh, it's actually 20% flour, 
to water or whatever that ratio right. is. So doing that with like, without using grams or something like that is, um, is really, really difficult. And also can, can, why sometimes your bakes don't turn out the way that you think that they should, because <laughs> you're not sure that you, you may have put like a little bit more flour in the dough a little heavier or a little bit le- like not as hydrated. So it won't rise as much. And anyway, scale also scale. it's great. I use mine for coffee. So I measure my <laughs> coffee beans in the morning. So there you go. It's important for espresso too. <laughs> nice. Well, my gadgets, um, not being a baker, then are going to be a surprise, surprise around apps for <laughs> cooking. My favorite all-purpose app is uh, PCalc by James Thompson, which is a calculator app, but uh, he has all kinds of conversion stuff in there. So you can you can just type in a number and say, you know, dollars to pounds or you know, pounces to whatever. So anyway, that you're talking about that. I was like, oh yeah, I use that thing all the time for conversions. Um, but then the the two other things, though, there are, a, we were just talking about recipes on the iPad are great because of the screen size compared to the phone and compared to trying to drag your computer into the kitchen, especially if you don't have a laptop. So the, the recipe apps, there's tons of them on the iPad. There's a lot of them that are really good. We ended up with a few years ago, one called Kitchen Stories. So they kind of have blog posts and talk about things. But the reason we chose that is you can make these different lists and you can share it with other people. So Giovanna can look something up and we have a let's try this out list and you can put it in there, put that recipe in there. And then if you like it, you can move it to our do this one again or never again list or whatever it is. So she started a baking one for us to start looking up baking recipes. But there are what Epicurious, um, there's all, there's tons of, of apps for saving recipes and getting recipes and those kinds of things. And then the other one I'll promote that I got years ago, I'm in the paid subscription for it, is an app called AnyList, A-N-Y-L-I-S-T. And it's a service. And it's great because you can go in and put any list type of list you want in there. So we have a grocery shopping list. What do we need from the store? And I don't want to hear from Giovanna that, well, I told you we needed X, Y, Z and you didn't get it. It just go into the app and we're, we're collaborating. She can put stuff in, I can put stuff in. I can't remember if it was last year, but they added a feature where if there's a recipe on a web page, you can basically paste that web page into any list and it will not only have the recipe, it'll convert it to a shopping list for you so you know what you have to get from wow. the store based yeah. on that recipe. <laughs> so I love that. I think that's really, that's really cool. I feel like um, I, I do that, but very manually. Paige yeah. and I just have a shared, uh, because like I am a neurotic and very much a plan oriented human being. Um, we basically just have a shared, uh, we have a shared Google spreadsheet that is um, basically what we started out in quarantine, our food inventory. And then we also have, so we like <laughs> kind of know what we have of everything now that we're like 
we had to do it in the beginning so we knew where we were at to start. We don't quite keep that up as much, but we do have a shared spreadsheet where we have a list of our every like our every time grocery like grocery orders. And then we have a list of things that we need specifically for this week. And then we also have, I think I mentioned this on the last time we talked about cooking, but we have a quarantine cookbook. So the recipes that we've liked and we've made, we have them all in a Google doc with like a link and then any like sort of, you know, substitutions that we've done. And then we also have like a same thing, like a shared Google doc for, um, like things that we want to make, which was really funny because actually for Pedro's birthday, I made, instead of, for whatever reason, I like decided to stress myself out even more, but um, tried to do a bunch of birthday baking surprises for him during the quarantine where we're in the house together. Um, And so, but it was, I had a, I had a secret tab in our Google doc where I was like, you cannot look at the Google doc because I am making a list of things that I have to buy for your birthday. So you can't look at the grocery order. I'm going to do the grocery order. I had to this like whole secret thing because I made like, um, I made like guava and cheese, guava and cream cheese, like empanada pastries basically. And then I made a plantain tarte tan. So I made like a bunch of pastry. I just decided instead of for all of these things to be like, oh, I ordered you this thing from some right. professional place. I just decided for whatever reason I was going to make it all. So I just had this whole secret grocery order and like secret tab in our Google doc where I was like, okay, these are the extra things I need. And you can't look here because I have to write them down somewhere. Otherwise I will forget. <laughs> well, I just checked. So it's called any list complete. And I think you guys would like it and it's, and it's affordable. I think you can handle this for family. It's $14.99 a year, $14 and 99 cents for a year subscription. Fabulous. (laughs) You can get it $9 and 99 cents for an individual, but what you want is that shared list because then you could make a list that was your private list that he wouldn't see, but you could also have a list and apparently you have to have the any list complete to do what I was talking about, where you can just download recipes from certain nice. websites and have it all in there and it can become a shopping list. And, uh, but it can well, be all kinds yeah, of I, Christmas lists and, you know, it's, I, it's I a great little app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so any A-N-Y-L-I-S-T, we'll put it in the show notes, but Perfect. I've been using it for years and, and love it. And I've, I think, like if I have the paid one, other people can have the free one, mm. right? So Giovanna's on the family thing and we share a shopping list, but I've even done stuff for share it with one of my team. And we had a, back when we used to go to the office, we had an office shopping list, like what kind of coffee and stuff we needed at the office. Oh um, no. You know, I just but, realized your office coffee taste. I might've just like, even more office expenses now. I didn't even think about that, that I'm going to be such a snob going if I ever, when and if we ever go back to the office. Oh I'm yeah. Like, well, um, I mean, sanitary reasons maybe as well that I would bring yeah. my own coffee, but still I feel like I've just now. They'll be the cured for everybody so else. Things. And then you and I will have an AeroPress and I'll, maybe at the office we'll have the hand grinder. I don't know for the one or two times where, you know, 
Yeah. You're going to have a Ziploc bag of coffee beans in your backpack so that you can always have fresh ground coffee. So, (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. And you were talking about the Dutch oven. I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm bread is one thing, but I'm not as big a bread person, but whatever I'm baking, like when I ask you for the recipe is like, Hey, anything I can have with coffee or at breakfast, which obviously could be bread, but you know, with our black hole cafe and coffee theme, you know, that's usually where I'm having pastries or some kind of baking thing is either having it with a coffee or having it at breakfast. So yeah, I guess, I I guess I could have breakfast breads. Right. So yeah, I will say one of the, this was going to be my other recommendation just for you guys um, that to try out is actually what are called quick breads. Um, So that's any, there's a large selection of what quick, quick breads are. They're basically just breads that don't use yeast to to rise. They use like baking soda or baking powder. That's like a banana bread would be a quick bread. And they don't take hours or days because you don't have to let them proof. (laughs) Um, But uh, the the thing that I would suggest is actually um, a soda bread, which uses, like I said, baking soda. It's a really, really simple bread that has a very similar sort of biscuity texture. which you can, and that's like a really easy recipe to riff on. And so would be really fun or nice for breakfast. Um, Cause they don't, they don't quite have as much like they're, they're much denser. So they are sort of like either a dunking bread or a right. bread that you would put like a butter on and just yeah. have that. Um, so but where, I does, will say, where does being from the South, where does cornbread fall in that mix? Cornbread is a quick bread. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's um, because it doesn't use, it uses baking soda or maybe baking powder. That is one thing I haven't taken on. Although my baking project this week is hopefully going to be jalapeno and cheddar, jalapeno and cheddar uh, biscuits. So I'm going to make some more savory right. biscuits. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all of that to say quick well, breads or soda breads are like nice breakfasty kind of more biscuit Perfect. Yeah, that sounds quick, great. Easy breads. So I think that pretty much exhausts everything that I've got on uh, on baking. I mean, I'm sure we I could find, you know, I could share lots of research with you, but in terms of the podcast, I think we have uh, we've hit the end of the uh, that part of the show and are ready to move on to uh, the media black hole for this week. Um, so what is your suggestion of a book or TV or movie, something that is worthy of getting sucked into, uh, for this episode? You know, I'm going to ask you to go first and you can edit this part out if you want, because I have, I'm having to look back at my notes and go, what, what did I have on my media black hole? Not that there isn't a, a ton of stuff to be looking at these days. True. Uh, but I'm going to let you go first while I look up my notes. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, so mine this week, because I like to stay on theme with whatever, or try to stay on theme with whatever our uh, theme of the, the topic is, um, or whatever the theme of the episode is, mine is The Great British Bake Off. Um, it's on Netflix, or most of the seasons are on Netflix. There are a few that um, haven't made it onto American Netflix that are that have actually happened. Uh, but it is it's a reality TV show, but it is one of the sweetest, most 
uh, heartwarming reality TV shows you will ever watch um, where it's the reason that I love this show is because it is um, it's not like a it's not like a top chef or whatever where it's all these professionals coming together to compete for a bunch of money and all these things it is uh, 12 most of the seasons are 12 amateur bakers from England that get to that basically come together in this tent and they they bake. Uh, it's, it's it is a competition, right? So there's there's really famous judges. Um, the there's a couple of different iterations of hosts and judges, but it's so fun, so wholesome, so like nice because it's all these home bakers who are extremely extremely talented. So the whole point is like they're just they're there to compete to become Britain's best amateur baker, and all they win is a cake plate. Like they don't, there's no money attached to it. I mean, generally the person who wins becomes incredibly famous in England. So there are like, right, you, right. you generally make money from winning, but not directly because of the show. And it's just like nice because they're all um, in every season, everybody just helps each other. So if someone's really struggling to finish, like people will go over and help them like plate or whatever. And it's, the least competitive competition show you will ever watch. And it is so fun. I think you and Giovanna would love it. Um, so I would say like everyone who I've ever told to watch this show has fallen in love with this show. You should absolutely watch it. So I'm going to be uh, not on track with picking based on the episode. Uh, sub sub pick maybe the, um, Top Chef Junior, because that was fun watching the kids do it. Uh, although if you have performance anxiety as an adult, you don't want to watch these little eight, 10, 12 year old kids doing these unbelievable meals when I'm doing slice and bake cookies. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I'm going to pick is uh, sticking with my sci-fi theme, surprise, surprise, is the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. So uh, any, any of you know, there was an old uh, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica TV show and it was very hokey. And the, the reboot, I think had five seasons. I don't have it in front of me, but um, really phenomenal show. Another one that's a TV series with uh, cinematic quality, special effects, really good. Um, acting on the show, interesting, certainly interesting theme. Uh, and they even um, did some things when they did the reboot and, and changed genders on some of the characters. Uh, you know, so someone that was a male, you know, hotshot male pilot in the beginning in the reboot, the hotshot pilot is a female or whatever. So it's a really good show. I've I've watched all watched through all seasons multiple times, and I'm uh, again in the pandemic stuff. There's so much new stuff to watch, yet I'm still going back, and that's just my infill when I can't figure out what to watch. And I'm like, well, I'm on season three. I'll go watch an episode or two of Battlestar Galactica. So really well done. Um, and a good I, one to binge. I like yeah, that one. Yeah. I, I binged, I think all five, I think you're right that there are five seasons and I binged that one and um, really 
definitely enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fun one to binge for sure. Well, and it's, and it's, you know, if you haven't figured out a theme for me, it's (laughs) sci-fi, but they deal with really interesting plot and subject and character development and ethical and moral choices and those kinds of things. So it was, um, so Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, you know, don't come at me if you go find the, the 70s show or whatever, whenever it was on the original one. Right. Yeah. So, well, I think that is it for today's black hole cafe. Taylor, thanks for being here. Always a blast doing this together on the weekends. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I'm really, uh, I'm glad we finally got to talk about baking because it has certainly been um, a consuming part of my life since (laughs) quarantine started for sure. Well, I like the multiple meaning of consuming because you have to do it and then you have to eat it. So, yes, which that was the other thing that I was going to say. One of the first things that I read in quarantine was um, an article about how to uh, like control the baking while you're in quarantine. Um, and it was really about like how to utilize your freezer. Um, so at any given point, we do often have, um, something like right now we have plantain bread in the freezer that that's sort of been the fun thing to learn of like what do I freeze after I've already made it and what do I freeze before I bake it Um, but most of the things that I've stuck with are things that can go in the freezer so you don't feel like you have to eat them all at once uh, I love that advice that you gave you were like well I like this recipe because you don't feel like you have to finish all you know four cakes or pies or whatever it is. Yep, right? I'm so, really yeah, trying I, not to gain like the quarantine 15 or, <laughs> or more. Right. Trying really hard not, not to do that. So anyway, um, but yeah, this was, this was really fun. Great conversation as always. Um, do you have any idea what might be on our event horizon for next episode? Um, I think I do. You know, I think I may go uh, completely off the edge of the board, if you'll excuse the pun. And because of pandemic activities and some of the things that we're doing, I think what I want to talk about, because we did this, I did this as a kid, we did this together, you and I, when you were growing up, and I'm doing it now with Giovanna. And the idea of making your own games, making your own board games as kind of a follow-up to your addiction, you addiction to D and D. And I, you know, so uh, maybe the broader theme I think that will come up is, you know, the fun of playing games together, but as the specific topic, I think to talk about what it's like to make up your own games, make up your own board games. I love it. That'll be really fun. Well, great. I think we're done for this week. Sweet. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you all. See you next time. Thank you all for listening today. We'd love it if you subscribe to our show and your podcatcher of choice. And if you would rate or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd also love to hear from you as well. You can send us an email at info at theblackholecafe.com 
or let us know what's on your event horizon on the web at www.theblackholecafe.com, on Facebook and Instagram at The Black Hole Cafe, on Twitter at Just Black Hole Cafe. Thanks again for listening. Take care and don't forget your towel. <laughs>